Welcome to the Faded Spade Podcast with your hosts, Tom Wheaton and Sean McCormick. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Faded Spade Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wheaton, founder and CEO of Faded Spade. Sean McCormick, the poker boss, has the night off. He's actually having to work, but we are here with our next guest. He's a man of many talents. He's a man of many nicknames. You might know him as Chicago Joey, Poppy GTO. We'll call him the Prince of PLO, the King of Frickin' Content. And right now, the Poker PI, the Cross Industry PI, the whole investigator situation from Cross Industries in the past. Joey Ingram, my man, thanks for joining the Faded Spade Cup podcast, brother. What's up, man? How's it going? I like that. I like when we were talking before this, you know, everyone has their own podcast voice. So I, I can tell like your, your voice got a little more intense right away. I'm more raspy. I kind of like that. <laughs> I like it. I like what you're doing with this intro voice right there. That's cool. I don't know, dude. It's like the, the WWE character just takes over, man. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I have a bunch of voices I do for different videos and stuff like that. So I sometimes people don't like the, the always like the voices. Some are more polarizing than other ones, but I think they're fun to experiment with and kind of see what you like. And, and as you mentioned, it's like a character you can play with some of these voices. So it, it makes it more enjoyable. It's just, sometimes it just comes out naturally and I'm like, what the hell was that? All right, let's <laughs> go with it. So, all right, man. So uh, look, you know, I know you've had a really busy eight days, right? But we've been trying to uh, talk through and plan this for probably the last 30. So, mm-hmm. you know, the purpose of this podcast, Joey, right, is to share your entrepreneurial, your kind of career journey, you know, the path you were on from your roots to now, you know, it's to inspire people and educate and kind of engage folks who also have a vision for their life or, or a path of trying to live some type of entrepreneurial life, right? And what you do is very entrepreneurial. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, everything, everything I do on entrepreneurial, basically, I mean, that's, that's, what I always wanted to be when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I started when I was very, very young. And anytime you work for yourself or play poker, or if you do content or you make money through your services in some capacity, or you sell a product, obviously you're, you're in the entrepreneurial game. So yeah, I haven't really worked for anyone else in that capacity since I was 21 years old. So that's about 13 years ago. So I've been providing for myself for about 13 years now. No shit. So, you know, if you're watching or listening, like pay attention guys, because the things we talk about and it'll be a natural flow, but the things we talk about, and even times when Joey gives advice, it's coming from someone that's walked the walk. Right. So, so let's get into it, man. So, all right. So all your life, you said you've been an entrepreneur, right? So take me back to your roots, man. Like where are you from? You know, where'd you grow up? And like, how did you kind of get on, on this path to, to where you're at? Yeah, I grew up outside of Chicago, about 45 minutes south of Chicago. And, um, you know, I grew up, I, I grew up my, just a mother. My father was not really in my life. I very, you know, we'd see him like occasionally during the summertime or something like that, but it wasn't like we had a relationship or anything like that. So I grew up by mom and she was like, um, you know, quite poor when we were first young, when we were first kids, kind of, just, she was 21 years old when she had me, like she didn't know what the fuck she was doing as well. So right. She was trying to figure things out. I had a little sister as well, too, slightly younger than me, too. So it was kind of us three. And then my mom started, you know, getting older. She started progressing. She started doing better at her job. And we kind of would move up there. And I don't know why. I just I, I was always into sports. I watched baseball. I was always into statistics. I would take notes. I'd always write things down. And 
make up these like worlds of, of, of games and of, of basketball, of baseball, of football. I, I'd take the, the real players and then I'd put them in a notebook and I would just like make up all these stats and play like fake versions of the game and stuff like that. And then I think once I got about uh, like eight or nine or something like that, maybe even younger, I started mowing lawns for money around the neighborhood. Cause I was like, I don't know why I was like, I was like, like getting out there mowing some lawns. So I did that and I did the paper out, which are pretty normal things I think kids do. And I just always thought like, oh, I could, I could do something like this. And then as I got older, I started selling candy at school. <laughs> what was your markup? What? Oh, my markup was pretty high, bro. It was not like, I mean, I wasn't making them. I got an award for, for the entrepreneurship uh, that I showed through this candy, even though I got in trouble because I shouldn't be selling candy at school. But so I was doing that when I was um, in, in junior high. So what's it up to like 11 to 13? And then I started doing eBay stuff after that. Uh, with another guy, with like a guy that was kind of like my father figure, but he's also super fucking out of line. So <laughs> kind of introduced me to poker, but he also introduced me to strip club. You know, it's like this kind of guy that like your mom is sort of happy you hung out with, but at the same time, like maybe you shouldn't have spent that much time around the dude. Right. So How I, old were you? Uh, I was about, I started working with him when I was like 14 or something like that. Got it. Just like putting something on eBay for him. And then he taught me the eBay game. We would buy a bunch of stuff and we would go to, uh, we'd go to like uh like these uh, houses that were foreclosed. Like I, I, he would just, you'd go to the house. We'd like go walk through. We would take shit that we wanted. Uh, and then he started selling these cars at the auto auction. So we'd go to the auto auction and we'd drive the cars back. So we put all these things on eBay all the time. So I did eBay primarily for him when I was 14, 15, 16, 17. Wow. And my mom's like, you got to get a different job. You can't keep working for this fucking guy. <laughs> so I uh, basically from there, I, I kind of just, uh, you know, got a little bit away from the entrepreneurship and then, that started back up again. I mean, I still, I was a server, which is in, in a way it's, it's your own form of entrepreneurship too. And I still kind of like to sell things as well, but yeah. So I was always into this sort of mindset from a very, very early age. That's wild, man. Yeah, I mean, I was, like I remember I did baseball cards and some shit, but I wasn't doing eBay at 14 years old. Oh yeah. I did baseball cards too. I mean, I, I had a bunch of those. Yeah. I was, I was super into that as well. Did you yeah, have like, like the, I, I don't know, the Beckett looking at the price of the cards and trying to mark them up a few bucks or what? Uh, yeah. I was too obsessed with the, those fucking, the books that had the yeah. prices in there. I forgot the name that you said the name and like back memories. Yeah. Like I, I it's such a, a crazy world that like people have thousands of these cards and, and then they sell them and then the person just sits, sits the card there. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't make much sense to me anymore in the whole entire trading card world. But at the time when I was young, I freaking loved it. I'd put them in the plastic. I had the books. I, I mean, I'd go through them all the time, just looking at cards I had. I don't know. Man. It was a, Weird to think back on now at this point, but there was no internet, I think then. So it was made more sense to me. That's wild, man. I was going to even ask you like, what were the first things like you remembered as entrepreneurial? And it's, it's, it's funny that you naturally just came up with it and just started talking about it because it, when I started going through this process too, like you had to really think back to what those things were, but it seems like this was just a behavior that just you grew up in. And then, so what happened? Like, like, okay, 14, 15, 16, what happened next? Like when you, we're 18 through 22 or something like that. Like, where does the story take you next? Well, my mom wanted me to go to college, of course, because she spent so much money on my schooling. <laughs> and I told her I got no interest in doing college. So no shit. I didn't want to wake up. I, I think for the main motivation, I said, want to wake up in the morning time and get yelled at by my mother <laughs> every single day to wake up early. You know, I was just, I hated it. I hated doing that so much. So once I graduated high school, I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm not, I went to college for a very, very short period of time. And I was like, I'm not doing this ever again. Like, I don't want, I just don't want to do college. So I got a regular job 
as a server. And um, like, I think it was like, no, I think I was like a, a pizza delivery driver or something like that. And then I started serving after that. And then, um, I don't know, server was kind of for me. I get to talk, I got to meet girls, right? Like it was this perfect thing of, of you got to make like 15 bucks an hour when you're, when you're 18, when, which or 19, when you're 19, you're probably making like 625 an hour. So it's, it, it, it like seemed like a better way to be able to work your own hours. And I, I loved working. So I'd work double shifts all the time. I was like a fucking machine no back shit. in the day and working. I guess I'm still a machine now. Yeah. But yeah. I just always had that work ethic from a very, very, very young age. I always wanted to make it for myself. I always wanted to prove my, like make my parents proud or prove them wrong that I need to go to college. And, and I always just knew that I would, I would make something of myself and I, I just didn't know what exactly that'd be. And I always thought would, I'd be some sort of entrepreneur and start a business and I would do really well with it. And then, yeah, I moved to the city of Chicago when I was 21. I want to get the hell away from where I grew up at, get away from my family, get away from everybody I knew and just kind of get out in the world and, and see what the hell's out there in the world. So I just, I had a girlfriend I was dating at the time. I worked at a place called Lucky Strike, which is like a bowling alley, uh, higher in bowling alley as a server. So uh, a guy I went out with a few times, he's like, you want to move in with me? I have a roommate just left. I said, let's do it. So it was a very cheap place, like $280 a month, but it was the shittiest fucking bedroom <laughs> that you're ever going to see when you're 21. It wasn't even a bedroom. It was like, I mean, it was like a fucking closet. It was like a size studio, like a studio apartment type thing. Four bedroom is a four bedroom, super old place in the third floor on uh, Clark street in Lincoln park. And it was just like, it was disgusting. My mom came there and cried when she saw where I was living. Cause I was sleeping on like the floor and I was so happy. And my mom came and started bawling her eyes out. She couldn't believe the accommodations I was currently living in at the time. She spent so much money on school for me and it expected me to, Go to you know what I'm saying. So you gotta go back to school. You get a job. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm living. This is great. Like, I'm like, mom, I'm like, this is my, you know, this is this is amazing. But she didn't she didn't see it that way, unfortunately. So I kind of started doing that thing, and then working downtown as a server, and then I started playing poker as a fish, like a fun player, and I'd lose all my money all the time, and my mom thought I had a gambling problem. So, and uh, yeah, eventually I found two plus two poker forums at 22 years old, and. I learned about bankroll management and they said, if you make 200 bucks at work, you shouldn't go to the one, two table at the majestic star and then lose the 200. You should play like five cent, 10 cent. So I started playing five cent, 10 cent on poker stars. And then I just uh, started making some money eventually. And then I just said, I made a thousand dollars. I said, fuck my job. I'm never going back again. I'm never going to work at these places again. And have you ever since then? No, definitely not. No, no shit. No, ever since then, I mean, I, I dedicated my entire life to it though. So I, I quit everything. I stopped working out. I stopped, no, I didn't stop hanging out with girls, but I stopped hanging out with girls at the, at the pace I was at. I stopped hanging out with anybody that didn't play poker. All I did was sit inside in that little bedroom on my bed, on my floor. Then I got an air mattress. I played online poker all day long. I went on the forums all day long. And that is all I did for the next, um, it was about living there about a year, a year straight until I moved, I moved out of there because I made enough money. But like I grinded every day for one year straight. I played about 10 to 12 hours every day. I would study the rest of the time. I would watch poker the rest of the time. And at the time I was just, I, I was, I was very efficient with my process. I played a lot of tables at once and I moved up quickly. I got good quickly. And, um, and yeah, I, I first made a name for myself that time, 2008. And that was like the first time. No shit. So I want to back up a little bit before we get into the, uh, the poker side of things, yeah. right? 
because I know there was a ton of success there and, and your path and online, but I want to back up to a point to like what you were talking about, because I'm sure there are people listening who are, who may, might be in the same situation or have gone through the same situation. Right. So you mentioned like your dad wasn't around. Yeah. Right. And you kind of, it sounds like just put everything on your shoulders and a lot of responsibility and you're going to grind and be a business guy and you're going to do entrepreneurial things. So how much do you think like your dad not being around affected you back then to become like the man you are today, really independent, really self-made, a lot of work ethic? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, right? I have no idea. Maybe there's some sub- subconscious stuff he instilled in me or I took away from from being in that situation. I mean, I think the biggest thing I took away is like, I, I don't personally want to be that if I ever have a child. So that that's what that is. But, you know, I don't really know exactly where, where that came from. And it obviously came from somewhere, but I think my mom was always a super hard worker. She was always like, you know, trying to provide for our fa- her family. And she was super sacrificial of her own, you know, her own life in many ways too. And, and I think that I just was like, you know what, I don't want to have to rely on her. I don't want to have to rely on anyone else. Like I just want to be able to do what I want to do and not have to have a father to, to, to give it to you. Right. Well, I didn't have that. So it's like, well, let me figure out how I can make this work. Right. Let me figure out how I can do something for myself type of thing like that. But, you know, I'm not really sure exactly how not having my father really instilled something like that in me or work ethic in me. I think my mother is, is the person who I credit my personality with and, and my work ethic with. And it'd be great if I had a father because he would have taught me how to be a man at an early age. And I never learned how to do a lot of those things. And I'm still learning how to do those things now because yeah. you, know, you can only learn what people teach you. And you know that, that was the man that's supposed to teach you these things that wasn't around. So it's like I learned a lot, but at the same time, there's a lot I didn't get to learn too that unfortunately, you know, still learning now, but I feel like I wish I knew those, some of these things. Everybody's path is different. Right. And, and, you know, I kind of look at that too. And I asked it because I'm sure there are people who have that experience and they might not know which direction to go. And I love what you said about how, like, sometimes you learn things that you want to do in your life by watching other people do the opposite. Right. And I've experienced that in my life too. So cool, man. Well, I just wanted to talk through that because I know that's something people will be able to relate to. So yeah, I think like, you know, a lot of that stuff kind of traces back to childhood and these are things I've been researching a lot. And when I took a two month break from content, maybe three months, I took a long time off. All I was doing was studying every day. And I put about, I mean, I don't know, maybe some days I was putting on 10 hours of study a day. Some days I'm putting in six hours of study, but I'm studying every single day just trying to figure out, okay, like how can I retrack my, my life steps from when I was younger to figure out how I became the person I am today and where are all these strong qualities I have about myself, where exactly do they come from and where does my ambition come from and where does my desire to be great come from? And it all comes from watching other people out there and, and admiring people who have done these things. And I think that's where the biggest influence for me has come is, okay, I've just been inspired by different people along the way to do these different things. And most of the people I find inspiration in are people who are great at what they do in the various parts of the world. So I've always, you know, I've, that's what I've wanted to be. I've always wanted to be great at something. And, and I really wanted to work hard to try to get to that point and, and, and do it in my own type of way. Who are some people that like you look up to and kind of inspire you? Yeah, I think it was a lot of athletes, really. Yeah. It was a lot of just kind of watching sports. Cause I played sports growing up. I played basketball. I played baseball, played football for a bit, but I mainly was, was good at baseball and good at basketball. 
So I played those things kind of growing up and then I started playing games when I was young too online. I started playing like a lot of checkers and I was a, like a top checkers player on, uh, on the, on the online streets back in the day on the Yahoo straight shout out to Yahoo. Oh checkers. baby. I yep. used to fucking, I used to fucking run some of those streets back in the, the time <laughs> one, one zero matches. If anyone knows about that, shout out to you guys. But so I was always like kind of in, in the mix with Madden. I, I was a top Madden player on PlayStation when I started playing that when I was younger too. So I was like, I, I think like I'd always found the people that were great in the athletic realm as someone I looked up to and also like artists as well for musicians or for actors as well too. I just sort of like, I thought that's what you're supposed to be, honestly. Like I thought you're supposed to be famous. I thought you're supposed to want to be rich. Like that's like the the Western culture that seems like that's what they teach you to be. Like you want to be like, why would you not want to be famous? Why would you not want to be rich? Why would you not want to be these things? It just like, it just, I feel like that was sort of ingrained in me in this early age. And it makes sense with some of the steps I've taken and, and why I've gone after attention and why I've gone the path I've gone down. And so I think those are kind of the people I've really looked up to. And, you know, in terms of like people I knew around me and I can't, I can't remember many, honestly, like there was no one I yeah. saw around me that was like, yeah, like I want to be like them, you know, yeah. maybe friends along the way, there's bits and pieces of them. But in terms of like a, a, an adult figure growing up, I, I saw nothing really around me that I was like, you know, this is, this is what I'm after really for the most it, it part. It sounds like you, you almost, you know, we'll get to the poker stuff back to the poker stuff here in a minute, but it almost sounds like you went on kind of like a self-awareness journey. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to a few weeks ago and I remember, I think the day I was like, damn it, I need to have Joey on this podcast, obviously for all the entrepreneur stuff. But I remember you were talking to Doug. It was like when you just got out of your, your hiatus Yeah, and you said something and I only saw like 15 minutes of the show. Right. Cause I was like, I had meetings and shit, but you said something, it was like, you felt like you were letting people down or, or, or stuff, something like that. And I remember being at a place like that in my life, probably nine or 10 years ago. And I'm, I'm uh, 39 now. But I remembered all the stuff that was going through my mind. And I'm like, shit, I wonder if Joey is going through something similar. Cause when you say something like letting people down, it's a lot more than just like content or business or et cetera. Right. And it's like, yeah. so it must, was it like the self-awareness journey you were on that you're kind of still going through that you just said, I need to focus on this or was it something else? Yeah. I think that's really what it was. I mean, I just started pouring myself into like, you know, what, what, like, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel unhappy or why do I feel the way I feel? And, and a big part of it was just, I, I, my life makeup was, was very poor and I didn't have somebody around me who I could really care about. And I started studying the basic needs and I started studying being mindful and I started studying the idea of learning and what it means to understand. And as I learned more and more about this and learn more and more about myself, I started to realize that a lot of these things that I, that I, I, why I felt this way, kind of, you can trace these things back and about letting people down, you know, whether that's friends, whether that's family, whether that's, uh, you know, online in terms of with content or in terms of with promises I made, or I mean, a number of different things, right. I think that, um, you know, I hold myself to a high standard in a lot of ways and I feel like I wasn't meeting those standards and I didn't know how to meet those standards. And I honestly, I still don't know how to meet some of these standards. Like I, I've kind of thrown myself into content again because I had a prop bet with my friend Doug Polk and we had to do each amount of certain amount of videos, but I haven't really been studying as much these past couple of weeks. I've really been talking about this particular subject matter the past couple of weeks, but yeah. it's still on my mind and I can tell it's still there. And it's still something I'm very, very interested in that I'm going to get back to after this month ends here in a couple of days. So 
but yeah, the whole letting yourself down thing, I think that's something that I, I, I still go through now. It's, you know, either let myself or I let myself and let other people down kind of thing like that. So I think that's a very real thing I experienced. Yeah. What advice would you have? Like, what advice would you have for people who might be going through the same thing and like need to go on kind of that self-awareness journey or kind of feel like what you felt like, what advice would you have for them to kind of pull themselves out of it? To start with it, with that down that path or pull themselves out of feeling that way that they need to go down that path. If they're where you were and then you started pulling yourself out of it, like what advice would you have for them to do the same? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I think the biggest part for me was just surrounding myself with someone to help hold me accountable and to help give me someone to talk to. Yeah. Because I had all these things in my mind that I would never articulate out loud. And once I started articulating them out loud and once I started being willing to talk about them, I was better able to formulate my thoughts and understand exactly where I was coming from. And then I think on top of that, better habits. So I started working out again and I started eating a lot healthier. So those are right away. And then I started studying. So I was acquiring knowledge on a consistent basis. So I had someone around me that I I cared about. I was was being held accountable and holding her accountable as well too. Mm. I was changing my diet and getting good habits back in place. And then I was acquiring knowledge and looking up the things that I was didn't know when I was studying. So I just kind of started from there. And, you know, it's tough because it seems so easy to me, but I understand how so hard it can be for people. If you don't have that person in your life that cares about you, that listens to you, that makes you feel heard or makes you feel understood. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that was the biggest thing and something I always didn't have in my life in a lot of ways was just somebody close to me that I could be vulnerable with, that I could open up with that seemed interested in what I'm saying and made me feel understood and made me feel listened to. And, uh, I think that was one of the most important things really. That's cool, man. Well, I'm glad we talked about it. I wasn't planning on even going down that road, but it just kind of naturally happened. And, you know, I remember when I went through that and I think everybody goes through that kind of stuff every now and then. One thing I asked myself was, I said to myself is like, are the actions that I'm taking today? Like, does that align with the man I want to be tomorrow? or the person I want to be tomorrow. And when I started like really dissecting that, that's when I started making some positive changes. And I think it's something that if you continually check yourself throughout life with that, like it helps. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a good thing, right? Like be a person that you're proud to be. I think if you kind of map out, I'm I'm big into the manifestation and visions and, and just writing down exactly the kind of person that, that you'd like to be or where you'd like to be with your life and, and trying to create this person that you'd be proud to think about yourself and that you'd like to see other people. So whatever that is, whether that's a good friend, a, a good family member, a, a good member of, of the community that you're in, someone that do, does what they say they're going to do. You mentioned like, you know, I could have canceled this podcast with you. And that's something that I'm not, I'm trying to uphold the the commitments that I make in, in these things, capacities, no matter what happens. So if I say I'm going to do it, like I, I'm going to, I want to make it happen. I want to do it unless there's other, some sort of reasoning behind it. So it starts in these sort of micro ways where you do it on this level and then eventually you, you get better at it and it becomes a part of who you are. So that's certainly something that I'm working at doing a better job of because I haven't done that in the past. There you go, man. All right. We're getting deep on the Faded Spade podcast. So let's do this, Joey. Let's go back to when you got introduced to poker, right? right. So we talked about the entrepreneurial you know, story from your youth mm-hmm. and now... You just got out of your Lincoln Park apartment and you made your thousand bucks and you're diving deep into poker. It's a passion. It's an obsession. What happened over the next few years there, brother? 
Well, I always just, I, I, I always wanted to be well-known, I think, because I, I admired the people that were, that were like the famous poker players back then that had their name in red on Phil Tilt. So I wanted to make my name my name. So I made it Joe Ingram one. And I was like, well, when I get to high stakes, I want everybody to know it's me. Like, I, want, I, I, I don't know if it'll be in red. So I want, I want like my family to see it. I want people to see it. So I started, you know, like I just started on the grind and I started in the two plus two poker forums right when I started. So I was part of the community from 2007 on. And uh, I always posted what I did and I'd always play these crazy fucking sessions. Like I'd always 24 table and just play 10,000 hand sessions all the time. Damn. So there was very few people that were doing things like this. So I would, I, I started to become known as like the, one of the guys that just grinded the most. Yeah. So uh, later that year in 2008, I did a prop bet. I said, I'll play more hands than anyone that wants to do it with me. I'll beat anybody. So I, I offered that challenge. I said, I'll take it anyone. Two people did. And right when I started, I was like, you know what? I'm obviously going to fucking destroy these guys. So <laughs> let me make a prop bet that I can play. I, I decided 600,000 hands. I'd play 600,000 hands in a month. And these other guys, you know, these guys got, got crushed pretty hard. And uh, this was certainly the start of my prop betting career. So I did that. I got a lot of, I got some action. What did I get action for that? It wasn't even a lot. It was like a few thousand dollars put up against me. It was like three to one or something like that, or two point five to one back in the day. And I did, so I played 16 hours every single day. That's all I did. 24 table, uh, 10 cent, 25 cent, 25 cent, 50 cent, a 50 cent dollar full ring on poker stars, uh, poker stars. They had like a representative that was part of that. So I did, I won that challenge and I played the 600,000 hands, most hands ever and full ring in a month. And then I went on my first podcast, two plus two poker podcast. They had me on an interview and I was like, this is the coolest fucking thing. I've ever done. This is like, they're asking me these questions. I'd listen to these guys every, every episode, two plus two poker cast put up. I was listening to that thing. I loved it so fucking much. Uh, Adam, shout out to Adam and, and MJ. Those guys were, those guys were, were really, really great. And they put on such a great show and they continue to, you know, Adam he continues to put on a good show now. And, um, yeah, man, from there I started, I bought, I bought, uh, I bought a car. <laughs> I bought a little car for myself. Not too much money. I just never bought a car for myself. So I bought a car and then what was your first car? Well, the first car I bought, I bought like, I had a lot of cars before that. I was always into customizing my car. So I'd yeah. always take my car apart and I do my interiors. I do my, I'd work with the engine a bit. I'd tin it out. I'd always put my sounds and I'd put my oh, system yeah. in there. I'd put TVs in there. I put neon lights in there, <laughs> but I, I was like, I want a nice car one day. So I bought a little Mercedes C230 hatchback compressor. And I thought I was the man. I thought I was like, I'm, I'm got a silver, uh, you know, I was such an idiot. I was driving around thinking I'm, I'm the coolest motherfucker in the entire world. My little Mercedes. And, uh, I moved out of the apartment. I moved back near my parents. I got my own place. There is about like a $700 a month place, two bedroom, little spot. And, uh, and, uh, then I started moving up the stakes a little bit. Uh, yeah, I started moving up stakes a little bit. So I started making some more money. So I started getting my bank go up there about 20, 30,000. And I was like, I'm buying, I'm buying a different car. So I bought this yeah. M3 convertible because that was my dream car. Nice. My mom helped me out with that car. Shout out to my mother. <laughs> she's low. I'm sure she's happy about that. So I got that car and then, uh, but it got cold where I was from. So I was like, I can't drop the top in, in September. Right. So I was like, well, where can I, where can I move to? Like, I got to get out of here. So my buddy, Chris, he was also played the 10 cent, 25 cent full ring. <laughs> we all each played the full ring together. We met each other around two plus two. I said, bro, let's get the hell out of here. Like, let's move. So we moved. We, we found a place in San Diego. We drove out. He came up to stay with me for a few weeks. Chicago to San Diego. We moved to San Diego. Yeah. yeah. So we packed up our cars. He had a little, he had a little Saab. I got my M3. We packed it up to the brink. We got the hell out of there. We booked a place online. 
we went out to San Diego and uh, I kind of got started out there. I played another prop bet. I played 50,000 hands in a day at that point in time. Cause I, one year later I did another bet. I got $33,000 in action. These dumb motherfuckers <laughs> me again that I couldn't play it. And I, I had to be, I had to make money at it too. So I did it at 10 cent, 25 cent, six max. And I made 44 buy-ins. I made $800 of the tables. I destroyed it. And I played 3000 hands, 20 hours. I made these funny videos on YouTube, but at the time, so that was like the next prop bet that I did. And then, uh, you know, from there, I, I was like, what, 2010, I started kind of moving up stakes. So I'd always shot take pretty hard. And I always wanted to get 20 by 50. I was like, I was just obsessed with trying to get there. So I would, I'm such an idiot. Like I would play 5, 10 and 10, 20 all the time. Super underrolled. I was like, oh, I just shit. need to get up there. I know because I could always drop back down. I'd always make it back every time. It was easy for me to do. I'd, I'd, I'd go down to 10 cent, 25 cent if I needed to. I could always make it back because I would just play constantly. So 2010, they had Supernova lead on Poker Stars, which is you make 120,000 rake back or something like that. And um, like, so you could be a losing player and still make money. I was like, oh, so it's like, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get this. So I was up and down throughout the entire year. I could never build a bankroll. I'm such a, I'm such a donk. I was the most inefficient bankroll management person in the history of, well, probably not in the history, but in the history of like being a professional in some capacity. So I did a supernova elite bet later that year just for fun with like a friend. And I switched to the great game of Potlum in Omaha because <laughs> you get more points and I got my ass destroyed. But I, what year was I, this? This is 2010. Nobody so, was playing PLO then, were they? Not really. No, yeah. no. It wasn't that popular, but it, it would obviously hold them a lot more popular. It's before Black Friday too. So not really, but they gave you more points. So you get money based on rake back for your points. So I'd get more points at PLO. So I said, well, I'm a 24 table. obviously, right? Like, <laughs> no, you probably shouldn't have done that. It's a dumb idea. But I got my Supernova Elite then and uh, I found PLO. So after that happened, I switched back to Hold'em. Black Friday happened. I traveled around America, lost all my money. Um, over in Florida, playing, trying to be a live player. You know, I like judge. Where in Florida? I was playing at Hard Rock. Oh, no I, shit. So I went to Hard Rock and then I went to, uh, I went to Vegas. Got a, we got a house there for the summer. I was miserable looking. I lost, all, I like pretty much had no money. I lost, I had a few, I had like 20,000 on stars. I got it back, lost it all. And, um, but I was like, all right, we got to get, we got to get back online. We can't do this shit again. Like we mm -hmm. got to get the fuck out of here. I'm not being a live player. Being a live player sounds, just sounds miserable. Florida's the jam for poker, man. I mean, that's, that's my poker career. Two, five, no limit, Orange City, Daytona, just yeah. since around that time. And I feel like I'm just fucking getting fired up with the story. I'm not, I'm not making it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not about it, but I, um, I don't know. It's kind of, uh, I'll let, I'll let you kind of pick out a spot. Cause I know I send a lot of things in there. So if you're no, it's good, man. I mean, I, I mean, I love the fact that at least you knew you're like, screw this. I don't want to do live, live poker. Right. So, okay. So you're still doing online poker. Black Friday happens, right? Yeah. What the hell did you do then? And then like, when did you start getting into the content YouTube kind of game? Was it all around the same time? No, no. Content okay. wasn't for a year. It wasn't for a okay. while. Like okay. I, I, I kind of like made these funny videos at times. And I don't know what, what the hell I was thinking. You know, I, I, there, was, <laughs> there was like a victory poker thing where I applied for. And I made like a funny video where like, I, it was such a dumb video. What, what did I do? I like, we found a girl on Craigslist, right? This girl came over on Craigslist and we... I was like, okay, like you're like my helper and, and we're going to 
we're going to like film this, this in entry video or something like that. I was trying to be like a, a goofy spoof sort of thing like that. And I made another version of it too. And I got chosen, but Black Friday happened. So that didn't, that didn't take place. So yeah, with Black Friday, I, I just, I knew I didn't want to be a live player. So I kind of wrangled up my team, my team of guys. And I was like, yeah, we got to get to Vancouver. Like we got to get okay. out of here. Okay. So my buddy, Brad, who was a ball cup, he was a, on poke forums. He was a supernova league guy too. He was in San Diego as well. I convinced him because he was doing a lot better than me at poker. He was a lot more smarter than me. Than I was about, about bankroll management. I feel like if I was good at bankroll management, I'd be, uh, I'd be like, I'd be one of the top players in the entire world right now at poker. If I was better at my bankroll management, because that was never my, that problem was never my ability to work hard or skill or get better or learn. It was always just the discipline and soft skills from there. So I kind of, uh, yeah, after black Friday, I went to Vancouver with my, with Brad, we got a, uh, way too expensive place. I borrowed money from him at the time and um, I started playing. I got up there, started playing every all day long. That's all I did. Played 25, 70 cent PLO, trying to make Supernova Elite again. And I couldn't, I wouldn't make any money. I was like treading water for the next month or two. I just played poker all the time. That's literally all I did. I just grinded all day long. And then a couple months later, I made another Supernova Elite prop bet with my buddy Brad, my roommate. So I needed to get in two and a half months, which was, I was like 750,000 points away. This was one of the most craziest things that I think I could ever did. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I don't know what happened. I just pushed through it, man. I, I just like, there's, I got, there's no option for failure here at this situation. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to put, I'll put 24 hours a day if I need to into this. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So I basically played every single day. And then that December came around and I needed to play about 450,000 hands in a month PLO, which is by far the most of the islands ever played. So I, that's what I just did, man. I had about what I got, $12,000 like that. So you get points along the way, mm-hmm. but I had about $12,000 and I borrowed some money from a friend too. I borrowed 10,000 from a friend and I was like, all right, if I lose this, like I'm broke, that's it. Like I got no, like I, I either, I'm, so I'm playing two, four PLO, which is huge. I have to 24 table every single day. I have to play 450,000 hands and I have to make Supernova Elite. So I basically just, I got so lucky the beginning of the month, I went on a huge upswing that just gradually went the other way on the way down. And then I ended up doing that that month. I mean, I played so many hours. This The second half of the month I played, it was about 14 to 16, 18 hours a day. Every day, every day basically. So I did that. And then I got the Supernova Elite again there. I made, I made a video, like a celebration video, like I normally do for my prop bets at the time. And, uh, from there I changed my process after that. And I stopped mass tabling. I started four tabling. I started bum hunting, AKA finding weaker players to play against AKA yep. game selecting. And then yep. I went on one of the most epic upswings in the history of, uh, the two plus two poker forms. Yeah. So that wow. was, that was when I, I stopped, I went away from being a, I was always known for being a sick grinder. Cause I, I would play 10 to 30 hand session, 30,000 hand sessions all the time. I might have some of the most 10 to 30 hand sessions of all time. Like my graphs I have from online poker are insane because they're so up and down and they're so these, these huge sessions all the time. I was just a fucking machine when it came to that stuff. What's so cool about though, is like, you didn't know it at the time, right? But you were building your following. You were building kind of notoriety. Yeah. Right. And then when you jumped to the content game, right? Was it like an intentional choice where you're like, I'm getting burnout from poker or something, or I want to do something different. Was it an intentional choice to jump into the content game or did it just kind of 
No, that, that happened about that happened a, a few years after that. I okay. mean, I, I always knew I was building a following. I want, I always blogged. I was, I was wrote. Like I, I was doing that on purpose because I didn't know for what. I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. Kind of mm-hmm. goes back to the idea of like being fame or getting attention. I just thought that's what you you're supposed to do, right? And it really motivated me so much because I was like putting the stuff out there. And when I was a mass tabler, man, I used to get so much people talking shit. I used to love it, man. I used to love getting in there talking shit at the tables back. If they talk shit in the forums, I didn't give a fuck, man. I was firing back. There was sites where you could track your, your tape, poker table ratings. You could track your, your results on there. I was battling constantly with people. I'm like, all right, like you say, I can't do this, whatever. I'm going to be, you know what I'm saying? So that stuff motivated me so much back in the day. It still motivates me now in some ways, but I already, I'm pretty self-confident now. Like I, I believe I can do anything I, I ever would want to do, put my mind to it. It just takes effort, consistency. And, and just kind of starting it. So when some like when someone's like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, I don't, I believe I can do anything. I don't think that's true. So it's, it's not quite as what it used to be back in the day. I don't know if I believe that to be true. I just felt like it had to be possible if I just worked at it. Cause my work ethic is just, I feel like a, a elite at, at just putting in effort and maybe not definitely not elite at quality effort, but elite <laughs> at a quantity, a number of efforts. So that's uh but yeah, with content started years ago, years after that, man. So I started playing high stakes for a while there. I was, I was playing, I, I moved up to, I uh, made like a hundred thousand that next month of January. So I moved up to, I was playing 50, hundred that month on stars. And then from there I just started crushing. So I made about like 450,000 the first few months there. And, um, and obviously that changed my life. And I stopped, I stopped the work ethic. I was like, well, let me see what else is out there in the world, right? So I started traveling a bit. I started, I started participating in, rec- in uh, uh, recreational activities that were outside of that that I never tried before because I was never a drinker. I never did, did any drugs and it was smoke growing up. Like I barely drank when I was 21. And then yeah. I never did any of that kind of stuff really. It never was just interested in me. And um, so I started doing that stuff. And it turns out time was a fun time. So that definitely... Uh, was the downfall, unfortunately, of my poker career at the time. And like I said, I think that I would have been, I think right now I'd be the, the one of the top poker players in the entire world right now at either PLO or poker in general, if I would have kept up that path. But that's the path I was on. I was on the path to be one of the top players in the entire world. But you know yeah, what? Who, who says the path that happened isn't better than that path, right? You right, never well, know. I agree. Well, you never know. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and I don't think about it much. It's, it's, uh, and, you know, I know it's never going to happen again. It would have been, it would have been fun to see like if I could have got over that hump because I, I was kind of finally kind of getting together. But unfortunately I started traveling. I started making friends, started meeting, meeting women and my life, the opportunities that were, were available to me were something that I never experienced before. Right. And I took full advantage of those opportunities. And, and how old were you? Uh, 20, what was this? 2012. So I don't know how old I was. I'm not sure. Man. 2012. All right. So 26, something like that, maybe. Yeah. So of course, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, hell yeah, you're going to live it up. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely lived it up. No doubt so, about that. so what advice would you give people who, who maybe are in a similar situation, right? Uh-huh. So maybe they've come into some money, they've had some success, they've got some notoriety and fame, they haven't had it before. And like, they're at that point, right? Like yeah. what advice would you give them of what, to do versus kind of not to do. I wish I, I wish I had some good perspective. I honestly don't know because yeah. I've, I've never really got back to that one. You know what I, mean? like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was killing it back then in terms of the, the, the poker and money and like, you know, 
I don't really view success based on money. Like even yeah. then I didn't view success based on money. I just wanted to be the top poker player in the world. Like that's yeah. what I wanted to be. Yeah. I wanted to get the high stakes. Maybe not the top poker player in the world. I just wanted to get to the high stakes. I wanted to build my bankroll up the points wise because I wanted to get, that's where I wanted to be. Like I didn't, I didn't need the fucking money. I didn't want the money. I didn't even care much about the money back then. And I, you know, unfortunately I still don't in some ways. So that that's was a good thing you know, though. That's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, good and bad in some ways, I think. But I think that what 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 would I do? I mean, I don't know because I never really was there in that complete balance of mm-hmm. of a mindset, really. Mm-hmm. So you'd think like, okay, it seems to me what happened was that I had an idea for what I wanted, and then I achieved what I wanted, and I never quite figured out what I wanted after that. Mm-hmm. So I never set a new goal. My goal was to to get to this point, and then from there it was well, like let me just do whatever comes up. So I think I lost track of focus and I think figuring out a way to stay focused when the success starts to build up and the success starts to compound because what will happen is that if you lose focus and you work so hard to get that success, then that success is going to go away and then you're going to be sitting there wondering what happened. So I feel like staying focused, at least identifying what your focuses are versus having no focus is probably a very important thing for somebody who is in that position as well too. It's advice I'll take right now, man. Right. Like once you start ex- like receiving some success, like you can't let off the gas. You got to keep that goal oriented mindset. You got to keep that vision of where you want to go. Otherwise you're right. Like you have the ability to either fall back or go a different direction. You didn't anticipate. Right. So I, yeah, feel I think that, which is, which is fine to do, I believe as well. But if, if, if you don't know, like you, I think being very aware of where that is and, and mm-hmm. what that's going to be if you do mm-hmm. fall up, because like right now I feel like after I, I, you know, kind of jumping forward and we'll go back right now, I feel like my, my platform has, has really grown this past like eight days with getting on sports center talked about and being on the, the ringer podcast and now having these mainstream art, I mentioned the mainstream articles. And to me, I feel the same exact person. But to everyone else, the perception seems to have changed. And now people want to listen to you more. They care more about what you're saying. They've identified these unique traits and abilities that you have always possessed, that you knew you always possessed. But now they see that you possess them, which are like, for me, it's just my passion and my investigation, my hunger for learning, my desire to get down to the bottom of things, my desire to make the world a beautiful place. Like, these are things that have always been me. I just never really knew how to showcase that in, in, a, in a way where everyone else could see it or be interested in it. So now I'm at a point where I'm like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Because it's like, I have opportunity that sky's the limit with these, with what I'm being offered and what people tell me and, and even like agents, you talk with them. And so now I'm like, I could see myself falling in that trap again of losing focus a little bit in terms of who I want to be. And, and I'm not quite sure it's, it's, where I seem to be heading. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I've, I don't know if I want to go down that path. So the idea of this is important for me to remember now is just kind of identifying where I want to be, what my vision is. And I think that's important for everyone out there to identify your vision. What's the vision for yourself as a person, as a man, as a woman, as a business person, as a career person, as a friend, all these types of things like that. And then putting that out there, honing it in your mind and then working towards that. That's great, man. You know, you can always hit the pause button, right? You know, I know we just, like you said, jumped forward to to everything you've been doing like the last eight days. And, you know, it's really interesting what you said, where it's like now all of a sudden you feel like 
people are taking more of an interest, right? Because it's a bit more mass media type appeal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's natural, right? But just the fact you recognize that is really interesting, right? Well, and it's yeah, like, it's, I think it's that, sad in a lot of ways, to be honest with you. But, like, yeah, it, it's like, you know, I'm still the same person, right? I'm mm-hmm. still, and I always knew I was the same person. I just figured out a better way to market myself in some ways. Yeah. Like I figured out a way and it's not even like doing something this on purpose. I didn't, I didn't start doing this. It happened by accident really, because I just did it. Cause I was so fired up about this kind of stuff. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't want people to, you know, like, it's just so, so fucked up. It's so disgusting. Like it, it's just, I can't believe it's happening in poker. Right. You know, in the grand scheme of things, is it, is it something like who knows, but in poker it's huge for me personally. Right. Cause this is something I've been interested in and in, in fixing in the past with like with online poker. I know. So, but it just kind of happened, man. I started streaming it. Like people liked it. I was like, cool. Let me keep doing it. Right. Like I'm going to do it anyway. So I as well stream it. Like I'm going to keep, I'm going to watch these sessions on my own, no matter what. And it just really grew from there. And you know, it's like the perfect storm of events in a lot of ways. It's about luck. Like it's very lucky, you know, very lucky that I, I could showcase my personality and the things that I'm good at and package that in a way that people are interested in and people care and people love people. They, they, I don't know, man, it's like a snowball effect. They, 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 it's so weird. It's just very weird and very sad because people out there all have these sorts of qualities. They just have absolutely no idea how to put them out there and get them to a point that they want to get to. But for me, it's a, it's a concerted effort because I've identified some of the things I'd like to do. And I think that, you know, if I want to have a top, if I want to have some best content in the entire world and I want to have one of the top podcasts in the entire world, I need to expand my own knowledge. I need to expand my own platform. I need to expand and really get myself out of my comfort zone and challenge myself to do things better and to, to do things a little differently. So this is the perfect storm of testing grounds for me. And I think I'm doing very well at it right now, but it doesn't happen accidentally, right? Like you want, you got to have to want to get after a moment like this. Like you got to seize the moment when it comes up. And I think that's what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm seizing this to, to the best of my ability that I can right now. And, and it, it's like a perfect, it's a perfect thing. It's really lucky. It just happens to be something that I can be incredibly passionate about and really, really care about because if I don't give a fuck about it, I just can't do it. That's what I've learned. So I don't care. I'm not going to do it. So I tried to make other content in the past. I just didn't care as much. So I didn't do it as much, but this I really, really care about. So it's just like, it's so perfect. And, and for listeners, viewers, you know, what Joey's talking about is the whole, um, Mike Postle, uh, kind of situation over at stones live poker. You know, we're going to, we're going to stay focused on his journey here, but definitely check out, you know, Joey's YouTube and, and Twitter handles for that entire situation. I yeah, mean, a lot, of, a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. We don't do like, rehash, what a situation. I think people heard that shit enough, but yeah, I mean, the, it's not, it's not the specifics of that, that matters. It's more of the, the idea that you should capitalize on something while you have it. And not even in like a manipulative, exploitative outside of who you are type of way. But when you find something that aligns with who you believe yourself to be, then going for that while that opportunity is there, I feel like is incredibly important and something that I've tried to do in the past. And, and I think that comes in front of us in a number of different ways in our lives. And it's about identifying how that is for you, whether it's a good poker game, a soft poker game, a good business idea, 
a, a potential trend you can you can leverage or there's a number of different things out there I could think about that you could do. I haven't really thought about it ever, but off the top of my head, I come up with 15 ideas. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that when Berkey was on the podcast and it was just like, when you have a moment and it's something that you're really passionate about and can get interest and could elevate exposure or just something you're passionate about. And it's like, I need to act now. I need to do this now. Yeah. I just got to find you just got to do it. Yeah. Cause so many people just don't do it because of the fear of failure or because of the fear of what other people will think. Okay. I'm talking to my girl. My girl has been rocking me on the entire time. She's, she's, she loves, she loves hearing me talk. She yeah. calls it Joey talks where I like get really fired up like this and I just get deep <laughs> down in my, in who I am. So she like love, she like one of her favorite things is loves listening to me talk like this because it just gets her incredibly fired up. I mean, this is why people listen to me, right? It's like, is you can dig down deep and you can get fired up about these kind of things and you can kind of know who you are a little bit. You can know exactly why you are the way you are. You're not afraid to put yourself out there. But I mean, I'm very fair of failure. Listen, I would be, I, I would, I, everything I'm doing is, is inefficient really. Like I, I could be doing things so much more efficiently. I could be as successful as I want to be. I could be one of those successful people in the entire world, if I wanted to be right now, whether it's financially, whether it's fame, whether it's with content, whether it's any area of life, but I, I have been very terrified of that might not being true. Right. So mm -hmm. I tell myself this, but I'm terrified of that not being true. And I'm terrified of, and I have been in the past, right. I'm terrified of even subconsciously didn't know it, terrified of really figuring out who I am and finding out mm -hmm. who I am and deciding who I am. And it, always seem easier to not have to do those things and not decide who you are and not challenge yourself in some areas because you got to put yourself out there in an uncomfortable way. So I'm, I think I've just been very scared of the uncomfortable, uncomfortable feeling that comes with trying new things and going to new places and getting out of your house and getting to these different spots in life. And these are, this is something I've made a concerted effort since I started studying to say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to embrace the uncomfortability. I'm going to embrace getting out of my space, getting out of my house and, and leaving my little area I've become comfortable in and exploring what's out there in the world and trying to figure out what is it I like, what is it I don't like, do I want to be successful on a level where it involves attention mm -hmm. or am I fine being successful on a more private level that is just me and my close friends? Mm -hmm. Do Is this something that I need? Because I feel like there's good and bad that come with the idea of being a well-known person or having status or having fame. And, and I, I believe that, you know, I could have as much as that as I really want to have. It's just, do you really want that? Do I really want that? And I try to tell myself for the sake of the podcast and content that yes, because it seems like it would go well together, but I'm not quite sure I really enjoy any of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, the, the fame and the status stuff, because it's, quite uncomfortable. And that's where growth comes from, right? Yeah. I mean, the ability to recognize that. And then the strength, once you understand that, to actually make decisions that get you on the path you want to get on. Mm -hmm. But you know what, man? Like you said something earlier, you were talking about, it's like, it's just stuff you'd be doing natural. It's just a passion. Like a lot yeah. of this investigation work, right? And if I think about it, that's been the MO for anything I've seen out of you from a content perspective, it all starts with passion, what you want to do, and having guests on that kind of marry the the discussion we're having almost, you know, from a story, a journey standpoint. And then it's like when you did the UFC 
uh, video, right? Mm-hmm. Or when you did the Gus Hansen video, it feel I feel like every or the whole ACR situation, right? I feel like the foundation of all of that was just passion, and I feel like it comes from a good place. And it's a passion to either improve as a person. It's a pa- it's a passion for other people to hear these things and for them to improve as a person. Um, and then, like you said it, and and I actually wrote it down, like you believe the poker industry is a beautiful place and you want to see it be as beautiful as it can be. And I feel like that's a driving force for you. Yeah. Right. And is like, is that a commonality through all the things you've done, you know, when you transition to the whole content game? Well, I think that the main thing I realized because I had thought about why, I, what, why I did these videos and what made me want to do them and why did the hell did I start a podcast? And the number one thing I come back to is I just love learning and I love like I really want to learn about everything that's out there in the world. And I want to be able to understand how the world works, why the world works the way it works. And I don't believe I can understand that at the level I'm at now. Like you got to, you got to get up to those upper echelon levels of the world of society. Really. You got to meet the people who are in positions of power, who make the decisions, who make the rules of things like that. And the only way you get there is by increasing your knowledge on a psychological and biological level. And and really bettering yourself all around and then building yourself up. And that's the, the place I believe I'll, I'll get to at some point in time, whether I'll be know them people or whether I'll be one of those people or whether I'll work together with those people or I'll just get to get a glimpse of how that world works and why the world is set up the way it is designed. Yeah. But I, 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 I definitely know that I'll be there at some point in time in my life. And, and whether that'll be short sooner than later, I don't really know what the timetable looks like or what the possibility of that is. But you know, that, that's sort of something to me is just, I'm just driven by learning. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that until I started studying myself. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's what the, the fight breakdowns are research projects. They're just investigations. I'm just yeah. learning. Podcasting is just me asking questions. I love listening. I love getting, I love just getting people to, to talk to me. What I realized is that the, the more knowledge I have and the more interesting I can become, the more that I can get out of people and the more I can learn and the better questions I can ask and the more people will want to talk to you. You know, it's this weird thing of like you better yourself as who you are as a person, the knowledge you have, what you can offer to other people, what you can offer to yourself and the way you hold yourself, then, then people around you, those start to change too. And, and the opportunities you get to have around you change as well. And all these different things like that. So I think like that, that is what I realized was that with, with content, you know, it comes from a place of loving poker because poker changed my life so much. And I initially started content because I wanted to help grow Pop Manoha, the great game and grow poker. But as I start to see how poker is developing with online and live, that desire is rapidly decreasing. Mm-hmm. And now it's more of the, you know, let's see, let's maybe, let's, let's kind of step outside of this comfort zone and let's challenge myself to do something that is really going to help people out and help people better understand what it's like to be a person, a man or a woman. I'm mainly thinking about men. Like how can I help men become men? Good like for how you, can brother. I influence them to, to become someone that they're proud to be? And, and how can I influence them to become a best version of themselves in some type of ways like that? And I think that's ultimately where I'd like my path to go, whether that's a um, you know a service or products. I started a business. I started like my GTO club a year, like a couple years ago. I had it for a year. It's like a monthly membership group where it was like a mastermind group, basically a group of guys, uh, you know, like fifteen guys, all very smart guys from all over the world, whether they're the poker or they're in the business world, and um, just kind of brought them together for that. 
And, uh, you know, I think I'd like to do something in that capacity, whether it's like creating a program that, 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 that uses artificial intelligence with machine learning and, and it gets better over time that help, help you become just, uh, the person that you want to be, whatever that is. So I'm not quite sure exactly where, what, what, what it'll be, if it'll be like, you know, like a famous content or well-known content or covering pop culture stories or covering the mainstream investigations or, or building a product that has helps people out, you know, or, or just maybe by myself in a mountain and fucking have a yogurt stand and a, like, a, <laughs> you know, ice cream shop with my girl and, and just have some friends and be happy that way. I don't know what it, what exactly it's going to entail right now. You don't have to know. Right. But at least, you know, <laughs> yeah. like one of the foundational things you want to do is be someone that helps other people be self-aware about themselves and become the person they want to be, dude. I mean, no. for you to know that right now, that's a goal. And now it's like all the shit that comes at you, whether it's any type of the content you're providing or any opportunity that comes your way because of the content from the past or the content now, like if that's your driving motive, then you're going to be able to make decisions that align with that purpose. Right. Yeah. In theory, right? I mean, not always, in, but in theoretically, if you can keep that on your main and on your focus and you can keep that on your brain, then, then yeah, you should be able to, but theoretically easier said than done. These things are all easier said than done. Yes. I mean, I'm very selfish, which allows me to, to focus so much on myself, right? Like these are all myself related things. And in some ways they're not because they focus on help, helping others, but it all comes from a place of like, the reason I can know, think about doing this is because I, I know how to be selfish with my time and with my thoughts and I'm trying to be less selfish and, uh, that's a process on its own because a lot of everything I come back to is so ambition based and, and that sort of thing like that. Oh, there's different levels of selfishness, right? There's just straight up selfishness, choosing yourself over others, even if something's important to them. And then there's ambition and wanting to achieve your own goals and desires. And that's not always selfish, right? Yeah. Um, that's just drive. So, but you, you know, the difference, man, you know, you know, the difference. So maybe, or you're starting to know the difference. Yeah. I'm starting to. So, all right. So, so we don't have to back all the way up to the time when like, you know, you transition from poker to content, but let me ask you this, right? When you got into the content game uh -huh. and you realized how much freaking hard work it was, like what kept you going, dude? And what keeps you going today? Like, oh, I never, I never thought it was hard work really. Really? I've always, I've always, nah, this, is, this is hard easy. fucking work, Joey. No, <laughs> I do man, this part no, time. No, no. This is so easy compared to poker. Like poker's hard. Yeah. I always tell people, man, like when I first started, I told myself, I'm going to have, I want to be the Dan Nurano of Omaha. I want to be the voice of PLO. I want to have the, one of the top podcasts in the industry. And to be able to do that was the easiest thing that I've ever done in some ways, because I already, I already had poker knowledge, but like getting to high stakes online poker, that's hard. Like beating the most competitive people from all around the world in the poker world who are only working towards getting to that point. That was very, very challenging to do mm -hmm. in some ways, not really, but kind of. And so this stuff is so easy. Like this yeah. is, this is, this is just a matter. And it's not as black and white, whereas poker, like you do this, you get better, you do that, you get better. You find, you identify the uncomfortable spots in your game. You identify the areas of weakness, you get better. Okay. You play, you see what works against you. You incorporate that into your game. you learn how to exploit that. Like it, it's very, the process for getting better at poker is quite simple to me. And 
but the process at getting better at this stuff is not quite as black and white in a lot of ways because a lot of it is subjective in some ways. Mm-hmm. And there are other things that aren't subjective. And the one thing that is, that is not subjective is the idea of leverage and that if you understand the idea of leverage and you understand how to, how to leverage what people want to see or who they want to hear from or what it is that they want to engage in, then it, this is like a common business thing that I think poker stars that David Bazoff, when he bought, bought a poker stars, he understood that there was a large customer base that was being very under leveraged and they were all focused on one dying area to him when there were other growing areas that those customers could then be then on. So like the, him talking about leverage and interviews, I've listened to everything he's ever done. Um, it's incredibly fascinating to me. Like I look at him and I say, I fucking hate what he did with poker stars, but he's a business <laughs> genius with what he did with the Maya and, um, you know, shout Dave Bassoff. I hope to get him on the podcast one day, actually. Oh, and, sure uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, kind of, you know, getting a little off, off topic there with, um, you know, which is, which is kind of that idea. So kind of lost my train of thought. In no, it's of, good, man. I mean, look, you know. here's the thing, Joey, like you don't know this, but everything we're talking about and, and I know it gets deep at time, but that's the whole point. Like for the listeners to hear these types of things and relate to it and be able to act on it in their own lives. But actually even for you, to become self-aware about the stuff you're talking about and selfishly me to hear these types of things and how do I incorporate it into my business life too, right? So it's like, I want everybody who watches this or listens to it, including you, me, those folks to get something out of it. This isn't necessarily what people want to hear. Right. So they, they, and the thing is they will want to hear it one day from me. So this is what my content will become at some point in time. But right now I need to, play the content game in order to get to the point where these are the conversations I can have only. And to be able to have these conversations where more people listen to, they have to see that in you first before they're going to want to listen to you. And then once you can have those conversations on a higher level with certain guests who they also know, that's when the people... So I think for me, it's like, I do care about the 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 people watching and and I care about that progression of things like that. And I understand that in order to get to that point, I need to kind of work in these other things that are interesting to me too, but not quite as interesting. Like I would prefer just deep conversations only, but people want, they want to talk about what's trending and pop culture and those sorts of things like that. So we give them, we talk about that. That's interesting to me too. It serves its purpose as well, but I personally enjoy when I can get a little deeper. And you mentioned the content gaming hard. I think content is so fucking easy, but <laughs> it, it's easy in that, like, what's the doubt? What, what's losing, right? Is there a losing? Not really, right? right? It, can you deal with people telling you that you're a fucking idiot in comments? Like, I don't care. So like the, the, the feedback I get, I might not want to keep it around, but it doesn't really bother me too much. And it doesn't bother me to a certain level. And I don't maybe get the veracity of it. And if I got the veracity of it that some other people get, maybe it would bother me. But to me, like it more motivates me because you let me know what I'm doing wrong that I can get better at. And I need that because that's the only way I can get better. And if no one's telling me that I need to get better at something, then I don't know what I need to get better at. So I'm not doing everything great. I know I could be better. And that's why I need people to let me know like, hey, dude, you're fucking talking too much or this or that. And I can say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I either agree or disagree. Now I can compromise. I can say, okay, well then maybe I'll change that my own path or whatever. So, but like in terms of content, it's just fun. Like I love doing it, man. It's so cool. It's so fun. It's just so enjoyable to kind of have conversations with people. I love making videos. I make all my own videos. 
I love, I love designing them. I love coming up with a story. I make them in my head and then I love putting them down. I like getting better at process editing. I like getting process of better understanding graphics and understanding stories and understanding how to do all these different parts of the, of the process. So like for me, it's more of a fun challenge of marketing and of creation and all these different areas of things versus, versus like hard, you know, I don't, I don't, the only hard thing is like doing things I don't really want to make, you know, that part's hard and I just don't do it. So. But you're a businessman, like you said, right? I mean, you got to do some of those things to appeal to your audience to continue to grow, right? Even if it's yeah. not the stuff you're most passionate about, that's business. That's, that's target marketing, right? That's just, mm-hmm. and you've identified that. All right. So you mentioned like constructive criticism, right? And being lucky enough to have people who will be that for you. Well, well, I'd say there's some constructive, but there's also non-constructive criticism I deal with right. a lot. Do you have any people who like are close to you that you really rely on for constructive criticism to help you grow? No. Wow. No. Nobody. Seek those people out, brother. Yeah, I don't I don't really talk to anyone like that. I mean, I, I try to encourage that from I don't I, I kind of keep to myself, bro. You know, I I I seem like I might not, but I'm pretty I'm pretty keep to myself. I pretty isolate myself a lot. Like I have a lot of friends. I have how many friends? I have hundreds of people I can be friends with, like people I'm acquaintances with. I, I get messed. I mean, there are so many people out there that, that want to be my friend mm-hmm. and that I'm sure would, would be great friends for me, but I've never really learned how to do that quite well. I've always been pretty do it myself based and not rely on anybody else. So the idea of having friends to me is quite, foreign in some ways. So like I have, yeah, I'm not good at it. I'm really bad actually. Um, and I'm trying to get better at it in a relationship standpoint with my girl now. So getting better at that. But outside of that, like, you know, there's no one that gives me constructive criticism. Like people, I listen to everything. I'm always listening. Like I, people, people say things all the time. So I'm picking up everything. Like you say things I'm picking up the way you do your podcast. I'm picking up on it. The way your background is, I pick up on it. Like I pick up on all these different things. <laughs> Took me 30 I'm, minutes to hang right. these damn things. Yeah. Like I'm just observing everything. So I learn things about myself from this conversation, from what I say. And then I learn things about myself from the things that you say about me. And so I'm always sort of like picking up little pieces of things that, that people say and sort of incorporating them into my, my style of being a human being. So still getting deep on the fate is paid podcast with Joey Ingram, man. I love it. This is why, uh, why we're doing this shit, Joey. So, all right. So as we kind of round this thing out, man, you know, look, I know you've been going hard the last 10 days and even past that. And I appreciate you even waking up from your nap to do this. <laughs> and I know you're going back for another nap, but a few more things I want to know because it's kind of fun. So what gave you more satisfaction? Mm-hmm. Was it, or when you think back on it, like, was it the times you were playing the high stakes poker and you met that challenge and you were crushing it or like, when the Gus Hansen video or the UFC video or this whole situation now like hits, like Definitely what gives poker. you more no, satisfaction? No, no, 100% poker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked so hard at that. Like I played ever, I dedicated like my years of my life to playing poker, studying, thinking about it by far that, like that gave me the most sense of satisfaction that anything has ever given me once I started having success. And then once I became like a regular winner at 1020, and just being able to beat that limit on a consistent basis and just pretty crush it. I was like, all right, this is, this is, this feels good for a while. And then it got boring. Just like, I'm kind of over this now, yeah. but 
the UFC video, when that went off, it was more like, holy fuck, I always knew I could do this. Mm-hmm. I always knew I could, I could create something that a lot of people would be interested in. I just know I'm in the wrong industry for it, but I mm-hmm. know I can do it. I, could, I just have it. I have an ability to put together a story and to find the right content to tell that story. I just know I, I've always known I could do that. So that was more vindication for myself of like, I knew it. And then I was like, okay, I can do this in anything if I wanted to. And then with this now, this is this what's going on now is like very unexpected because I didn't expect this to happen at all. And um, whether it gives me satisfaction, not really. I just find it more sad, honestly. I really do. Like it's kind of sad in that, like this is what it took, you know. For right. me, I feel like this is sort of what the kind of the kind of work I'd been doing for a while. And I've been very inconsistent, unfortunately. And there are things I could have done much, much better. But I find it uh, sad in some ways that like now everyone's like, you know, now you're popping a little bit and now everybody wants to, wants to be a part of it. Or now they're showing love or they're showing this or showing that. And that's just how it works. Right. It's a different sort of thing, but. And it's because of this situation and not something else more positive. Yeah. yeah. Or it's more, because yeah. of like, it's because of a situation where a dude was allegedly cheating on a live stream, you right. know? So it's kind of sad. Like this is, this is what it is. Right. Like, so how do you, so I'm glad you brought that up a couple of times. Right. So, and that's why I think in the beginning of the show, like I was kind of in tune to like, would you think that's why you're on the show? Right. And that's why I brought up in the beginning of the show for people who are listening, like we've been planning this for since early September. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were going to do this regardless of the current situation. Um, but think about that for a minute you're getting this notoriety because of the situation that isn't the most positive situation situation. Yeah. How do you now with this? I mean, you've had influence, but now you have even more influence. Like how do you hope to use that influence in like an even more positive way, like for the industry, since that's been a foundation of yours or even in your life as you go explore other things? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not really sure. I don't really know. Well, I, don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do after this really. Like, I don't know what it's going to entail. I don't know if I even want to stay this public or get mm-hmm. this much attention on me. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really undecided exactly the path that I'm going to go down after, after this kind of stuff takes place. And, you know, it's kind of good. I'm getting notoriety in, in, in ways, but I think for people that are in poker, it's, it's compounding with everything else, right? It's like the body of work. It's the poker itself. It's, it's the accomplishments I've had in the poker space. It's the challenges I set for myself. And then the podcast I've done, the great conversations I've given people out there and the, 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 the ability to hear from these top poker players and these other great minds of the world. And maybe you can learn, or I mean, you, you should have learned something if you listen to my podcast, which a lot of people have. So and then either videos I make too, my funny videos, the fight videos, the investigation. So it's like a something for everybody. I feel like in there, right? There's, there's, and and if you if you know all the parts about me, then you can like, then maybe you feel more, you feel more connected. Okay, I know his poker history. I've watched the podcast. I like the fight videos. I like the investigations. Now we got this. So it's like this combination of things. And I understand like maybe some people are just going to know me from the investigations. They're not going to fucking know anything about poker for me. They're not going to know the prop bets I've done or the challenges I've done or that I wrote a book about quality successful high stakes poker. Like they're not going to know these things about me. They're not going to know I'm out of line. They're not going to know lived around the world. Like they're not going to know what I wish that they knew about me. They're, they're, they're not going to know this about me, like how I actually think deep down because I never mm-hmm. looked at that out there in general. 
So you just sort of understand that not everyone's going to get you and they're going to understand a part of you. And whether they like that or don't like that, that is what it is. You have the ability to shift that perception if you want to, and if you care enough and, um, you know, yeah, I'll kind of go from there and, uh, don't really know exactly what the next step is here. It's going to do some traveling, hang out with my girl, make her feel comfortable, make her feel happy, give her some attention. My girl needs attention. You know, she's, she's a loving woman. She's a great woman, amazing woman, but I've definitely been neglecting her and she's been rocking with me on, on the content stuff this past month, but we knew that going into it. Like I, I had to do content for a month straight, just what I had to do. So I kind of get back to that with her and, um, you know, make it more of a, of a enjoyable life and get out there a little bit, travel some versus like sitting on my computer and just fucking grinding. Dude, take her to Europe or shit. Take her to the Caribbean, man. It's awesome this time of year. Get away from everything. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the plan here, man. I'm definitely going to, definitely going to get out of here. All right. Well, I'm glad, you know, thanks for getting deep with me here too. I didn't, I didn't anticipate us getting this deep, but that could happen, man. And I'm glad you were game to do it. Um, so let's, let's wrap it up with a couple of things. And I typically end like with these two kind of questions, right? Okay. Um, because people seem to get a lot of, of uh, a direction out of it. So during the entrepreneurial journey you've been on, like what's the biggest thing you think you've learned about yourself? Oh, I'm, I'm fucking bad. A lot of things. <laughs> you know what? That's such a, like, that's why does that happen to us, dude? <laughs> I've heard the same thing. So I'm very bad. A lot so of elaborate on that. I have no ability to plan. I, I, I have no ability to understand how to allow anyone to help me in any capacity. I don't want to give up the control. Um, I, I don't like to control people, but I like to control my own life. So maybe I'm just very controlling of my own life in some ways. And, and um, I'm, very, uh, I'm, I'm very scared of uncomfortability. Okay. I think that's what it is, right? I think that I've, I used to not be, and then I failed pretty hard with, with poker in terms of you know, mixing business with pleasure lost my way, lost my mind in some ways. And then I haven't wanted to make that mistake again in a lot of ways. So I think that just, that's what I've learned, right? Is that I'm bad at a lot of things. And um, if I want to build to a scale that I might want to build to, I need to get better at those things. Mm-hmm. And I need to get better at all those things. So the bigger the scale, the more I need to get over that. It's just a matter of defining what that scale is for myself. Do you ever take time to like, not congratulate yourself, but do you ever take time to like feel good about the things that you have accomplished or feel good about uh, the strengths you have found out about yourself? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes no, sometimes yes. I think I feel good about what I've done a majority of time Cool. Uh, when I do things, but I got a lot of thoughts in my mind, you know, so I'm always thinking a lot of things. All right, man. And last thing we'll wrap with, like, if there's one thing you want other aspiring entrepreneurs to know, one thing you want other aspiring entrepreneurs to know about their journey and what to expect, what would it be? Their journeys and what to expect. Well, I mean, listen, it's obviously it's not always gonna, gonna go their way and you're gonna do things that don't work out well. You're gonna put something out there. It's not gonna go well. You're gonna start a campaign. It's not gonna go pop off how you wanna pop off. And I think it's just kind of redefining what that process is and redefining what you might not be doing right if you really wanna do it right. And then trying to decide, okay, like, what are my goals? What it's going to take to get there? And do I want to sacrifice the things that are needed along the way? Because if your goal is, I want to be a fucking CEO of a company, well, you're going to be sacrificing a lot of things. If your goal is you want to be famous, you're going to be sacrificing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. If your goal is you want to make a lot of money, you're going to be sacrificing a lot of things. I think people don't realize that. 
they don't realize that they have to sacrifice to achieve their goal. And in some ways, right. And you can get better at, at understanding sacrifice and understanding how to, how to justify sacrifice in your mind. And you might sacrifice, you sacrifice shitty food to fucking get in good shape. You know, you sacrifice, you sacrifice going to the bar with your friends every single night in order to become one of the best poker players. Like there's certain things. So then you decide, okay, what am I willing to sacrifice in my life? And the idea of understanding that that is vital to achieve goals that are going to be on a grander scale in the entrepreneurship world. I think that is one of the most important things people to understand. Bang. And that is an absolute perfect spot to kind of wrap up the founder hour faded spade podcast segment. Boom. With Chicago Joey, the Prince of PLO. I've never Poppy I've GTO. Really, I've never been called the Prince of PLO. And um, I don't think I'm ever gonna call myself that again. But <laughs> do you know I, why I did that? I'm rocking with the nickname and I like it, so maybe I will. Maybe it's I'll a, put it on a fucking shirt or something. It's a card company, dude. Faded Spade is a card company. The king, the queen, the prince, the prince of PLO. That's where it came from, brother. Dude, awesome. thank you for making time to do this. I know it's in between naps. Thank good. you for being so open and genuine, you know, and deep about, about your story. I think literally I say this a lot and Sean and I say this a lot. Like if one person from these things gets inspired by it or can relate to it or it helps them figure things out in their life, like then this is worth it. Yeah. Right. And no doubt in my mind, this time you've spent with me here, you know, we'll do that for someone, dude. So, um, Wrapping up, where can people hook up with you online, man? Where can they follow you? Where they can where oh can they get God. to know you more? Yeah, I got a lot of places. I mean, if, if if you're listening to this for some reason and you've listened this entire time and you don't follow me, then uh, you know, that's you're not you're not missing much, I'm sure, if you don't have to. But I'm on Twitter at Joingram One and Instagram at Pop B G T O. People call me Poppy. If you didn't know that. Uh, whoever's listening and then at YouTube at Joinger one, that's about it, man. That's it. That's it. Right, I'm not brother. big on the calls to action. So uh, that's what I got. That's what I got for a man. I could take that Joey Ingram online. You can find me wherever you want to find me. If you want to find me. All right, Joey, then we're done. We're wrapping up. Joey's got a nap to take the dude. Maybe had three hours of sleep in the last week. Joey, thanks for right, coming on the show, out. brother, man. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you much. Man. See you, bro. The Faded Spade Podcast is sponsored by DuckDuck Productions. Contact them for all of your podcast editing needs at randy at duckduckpro.com. Upgrade to Faded Spade and get 15% off the new face of cards with code podcast at fadedspade.com.